Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever, available on all podcast platforms. The Left Wing is coming to the Three Olympia Theatre on Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023, with Luke Fitzgerald and Will Slattery joined by Bernard Jackman and Stephen Ferris looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup semi-finals, with Ireland potentially playing for a World Cup final place. Tickets priced from 29.90, including booking fee, and are on sale now. Go to Ticketmaster.ie for more. This is the Rugby World Cup on the Left Wing. And welcome to the left wing. Well, we are here at the Stade de France on the eve of Ireland's World Cup quarterfinal against New Zealand. Lads, we were all there in Tokyo four years ago. It's not just the players who've been waiting for this day. Ah, uh, like everything, everything is framed through this prism across four years. And like obviously, Grand Slam series wins in New Zealand, they all are significant in, significant in their own right. But even like you were in New Zealand. One of the questions in the press conference afterwards was like, "How will this affect you at the World Cup?" And I remember Johnny Sexton kind of laughed it off, said, "Would you let us enjoy this first? But wasn't me who asked it though. No, but everything who <laughs> everything they've done has been building towards this point. All of the mental work behind the scenes with Gary Keegan, all of the challenges that Andy Farrell has put in place for the team, whether it was putting those two midweek games in New Zealand, the Emerging Ireland tour to South Africa last year, and the seventeen game unbe- unbeaten run that they're on, has all come to this point. And I'm not saying it would all be in vain if they don't get over the line tomorrow night but I think what we can expect or what, what we can demand from this team is a performance and if that performance isn't good enough to beat New Zealand on the night well then fair enough but Will Slattery our colleague earlier in the week said that Ireland haven't led Brilliant stash. in a World yeah. Cup quarterfinal since 1995 it's incredible which it's incredible it's also an absolute indictment yeah. on Ireland's uh, quarterfinal record you know, all you want to do in these knockout games is give the best account of yourself and actually, and, and either, either go out in your shield or go through. If they go out in their shield, they've had a great run at it. It's disappointing, but we move on. If it's another record defeat, which has been for the last two successive World Cup quarterfinals, I think we may as well throw our hat at it because they've got this cycle so right. But I don't think they will. I, like, I haven't been at the New Zealand press conference today. Some of the stuff we'll talk about during this podcast, Ireland are in a better place. They look like a better team and they're primed. We just did a press conference with Caelan Doris and Dan Sheehan very relaxed like all week Ireland have cut that, that, that given that, that that impression and it's more convincing than it was four years ago they're in form 
they are confident, they're relaxed, and they know what's coming, but they're ready for it. I think it's telling as well that they put two of the younger, less experienced members of the squad up on a day like today, but the day before the match. Uh, like Rudd said, Caelan Norris and Dan Sheehan, and this is something that I'm going to be writing about tomorrow in the Irish Independent and Independent.e, just how, and we've discussed it throughout the World Cup, but just how kind of that fearlessness of youth is such a massive part of this Ireland squad. Sure, you've got the likes of Johnny Sexton, Conor Murray, Peter O'Mahony, and that experience is unbelievably important as well, but there's a freshness to these guys that, they don't have an inferiority complex as Farrell touched on. Like they weren't at the 2019 World Cup. Their record against New Zealand is amazing. Caelan Doris and, and Hugo Keenan have played them four times. They've won, what is it? Three, three out of four. Yeah, yep. three out of four and lost the, the first test last year. Ronan Kelleher missed the tour, but he played in that 2021 game. He's got 100% scored record. A try. Scored a try. And then I was going back and I was looking at, you know, and obviously Sexton, Murray, you know, Mahoney played with the Lions as well. But Furlong as well. They, Furlong, but their record just isn't as good. So um, I think that's going to be so important. And like you said, Rudd, they're so calm. They're totally in control. They actually, the two, the two lads in the top table seemed like they were, they were enjoying it. I mean, they're, they're making me feel calm yeah. with their calmness. And like you had Caelan Doris um, basically joking with Dan Sheehan. Dan Sheehan was asked about being hurled over the advertising hoarding last weekend, and Caelan Doris kind of interjected and was like, "Oh, he was, he was delighted really because the clip went fire and he got a few <laughs> thousand new social media followers." Like this is just over twenty four hours out from the biggest day of their lives, and they're like cracking jokes and having. A laugh and I think that's reflective from, from the top down. I thought it was smart as well that you had three figures at the top table and none of them worked with Joe Schmidt so I've just killed the Joe narrative on the eve of the game. I think they got Keith Earls out early, they got their message out early, they didn't really want to spend the whole week talking about Joe Schmidt. They know he's a figure of influence in this game but it, I, I don't know if that was deliberate or was it by accident but I thought it was if it was deliberate it was smart because he what his name didn't crop up because he just wasn't relevant to those people and that's you know just thinking a little bit ahead, you know. I mean, obviously the big news is that Mark Hansen trained and he limped onto the pitch a little bit. We were all a bit worried when we were filming our video. We hadn't seen what we were going to see, but then they ran into, they, they locked into team moves very quickly, a bit quicker than I've seen them do it at other times, almost to show us. And Hansen, I saw him get up to a fairly full sprint at one stage out in the right wing. We saw him at close quarters, got a video of him scoring, you know, or did he score? Or he set up, setting up a try. Yeah. Um, but he looked good. You know, once he got moving, like apparently it's a bang rather than a tear. And obviously a hematoma, like it can lead to further problems down the line. He was heavily strapped on that right calf. But he, once he got moving, he was moving quite freely. Yeah, and we were all there this morning, I suppose, especially just to see how Mac went. And it was the first question asked to Mike Cat at uh, the press conference today. Everybody's fit. Um, Mac looking sprightly as ever, so he's, uh, yeah, he's gone well. So does, does that ease our fears in any way? Yeah, yeah. I think so. We're, we're like up to now, we're unsure of how much training he actually did this week. But yeah, like when he came out and you saw how heavily it was strapped, you were kind of a little bit concerned. But once they started running the plays, he, he looked like he was up to speed. I don't know what you guys think, but... Um, and, and I agree with you, Rod. We don't often get to see them kind of hitting, I wouldn't say full intensity, but they probably went to about 80, 85 um, just before we were kicked out. But when you're down on the pitch and they're kind of running the, the plays... The, the lack of space even when it's just like the, the subs running against him you get yeah. you get a real sense of what it must be like in the white heat of battle and what they're going to face here tomorrow like space is just at a premium because when we're sitting high up in the stand and any of the supporters it. you can see it down and it looks like there's loads of space which I, I was really struck this morning yeah. by whoa like and obviously there was no real contact in that but you could hear 
the players calling and how loud they actually have to call because it, that's such a big issue as well when, when you think about what the atmosphere and how loud it's going to be tomorrow. But I thought it was a real fascinating insight because normally for anyone who doesn't know, like we're allowed in for the first 10 minutes, let's say, of the captain's run if even but we normally just see them stretching and passing the ball around whereas they've been doing a lot more I feel mm. you know in this tournament as well under Andy Farr we're we, kind of getting to see yeah. a lot more I and think. It, it, it's great because it gives you it gives you a better insight which hopefully we'll be able to relay to anyone who's listening and watching and even at the All Blacks one the other day they did a little bit differently they mm. allowed us into the end of the session when they were still running a few drills you had Joe Schmidt in the middle of the backline moves and then he was running over to a bit of breakdown stuff so um, I don't know I, I personally find that all that kind of stuff fascinating because we just don't get to see enough of it and that's what I was struck by this morning is the lack of space despite the fact that yeah. it's a huge stadium and uh, good to see James Ryan out there as well Robbie yeah. Henshaw Keith Earls uh, did sit out the session he's had a session yeah. and they've confirmed that the, the story that we had earlier in the week that James Ryan did have a procedure on his hand and that procedure we understand is going to be mean he's fit for next week and as I said on one of our videos this week that it's whether he's fit for a semi-final or the first round of the URC is the, is the question and um, both you know, of his wrists now so it, it's unusual isn't it both of them are yeah, strapped it's, I mean that's going to be difficult yeah. um, but you know he's a warrior and he's he, he's obviously they would they would have sent him home if he mm. wasn't going to play another part so if they can get through this massive challenge at the weekend and that is the, you know that if is doing a lot of heavy lifting um they will be able to welcome Henshaw and Ryan back next week for a semi-final, which will just be such a boost. But look, got to get through Saturday first. Yeah. It's probably worth mentioning that James Ryan, for, certainly from when we were there, stood out of when they started running the moves. Because you'd imagine like, he had the procedure. They've confirmed that now there must still be a certain tenderness or whatever word you want to use with his hands. So clearly they were being careful. But you saw confirmation that it was the opposite wrist to the one that he hurt a couple of weeks ago. So he's got issues with both of his wrists, which particularly for his position, is not not ideal for any rugby player, let's be fair, but particularly for a second row. Yeah, um, so today's press conference took a, took a bit of a strange twist, didn't it, when a, a New Zealand journalist asked uh, Mike Cat if, there wa- if, they, if they had a photographer at the open part of their training session yesterday, was it? Yeah, y- yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Um, so here's the question and uh, the answers from Mike Cat. Did you guys have a team photographer at the All Blacks training run yesterday? If so, is that something you'd normally do? <laughs> you'd have to. Sorry, I, I, I wasn't part of that. So, But it was, Did open, we? it was open, so I assume you're allowed for the first 15 minutes like anybody. I don't know. Yeah, yes, the, the, rules, the rules say yes. Um, as long as they're standing with the rest of the photographers, as a non-right sort of photographer, they can't. So you did have someone oh. there or not? No, no, no. You don't know. Okay. Bizarre. Like really bizarre and paranoid, you know. Yeah. And I, I, my sense is that this has come from within New Zealand media. It's not the New Zealand media constructing a story that this is something that's come from the New Zealand management. Uh, a person, as as World Rugby confirmed at the top table, a person Ireland didn't have any media yesterday, didn't have any photographer. A person went and did his job for fifteen minutes in the open uh, in the part open of the part where session. everyone was there, yeah, everyone, the whole yeah. world, and it's all streamed and it's all like you know, it's all available for public consumption. And did did his job and went home and now he's getting talked about in a press conference. It's really deeply unfair um, on that individual. But like Ireland were right, like the, the nothing was done wrong. World Rugby have confirmed nothing was wrong. But it speaks, I think, to forget the this, this exchange. Which yeah. look on the back of the football story this week, the Gary Dicker story. There's uh, it's obviously a hot topic spying. It always is. Like remember the first week of the tournament, there was <laughs> accusations of spying and stuff. But like it just speaks to a paranoia. Like they've got a disciplinary problem. They've got a paranoia problem. They're apparently going mad because the team leaked in the New Zealand Herald this week. So, I mean, it's a lot of the kind of stuff that we used to associate with Joe Schmidt's Ireland, you know, and obviously he's there now. 
this kind of wasting energy on stuff that doesn't matter. You know, now the Talia thing is yeah. does matter. So that, you that's were at a big the press story. conference yeah. yesterday. I was. I actually, I, I was scrambling to get across Paris. I actually just missed the start. But yeah, Ian Foster clarified that Mark Talia, their star winger, one of the key players that they've brought into the team since that series. One, of, you know, two tries here a couple of weeks ago against France. A difference maker for New Zealand. A guy who's very hard to bring down in the tackle. Breached the team protocol and is out of the All Blacks team for World Cup quarterfinal. And like, I think the team of 07, maybe there was a bit of a sense that, that they weren't the most disciplined bunch of All Blacks, that kind of era. But the 11 and 15 team were, I mean, they're even putting up videos of themselves. You know, the humidity is on, on overdrive this week of, you know, oh, getting the, the bags, getting oh the bags off. You know, this kind of this, this image that they portray. Well, if you're not breaching team protocols, it doesn't matter how well you work getting the bags off. You've just lost a guy for, for the weekend and he's a star. Like, you know, that's a big story. You know, it, it's a big story back in New Zealand and it should be treated as such. You know, it's, it can't be brushed off. And they tried to say, you know, it's the 32 players coming together and, and that shows how together we are ahead of this game and he understands we, we still love him. But, you know, you'd much rather have him on the pitch. It speaks to a... It's not the most cohesive, uh, unified bunch. It's it's ill-disciplined. It's all the things you don't associate with that jersey. And it's, you know, it, 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 they were also... The press conference yesterday, they were just talking up Ireland over and over again. And they weren't doing... A, they were, like, they have to deal with the fact that they're no longer number one, that someone else is... You know, I used to go to Ireland press conferences where they did, sorry, New Zealand press conferences where they didn't know any Irish players' names. But here's Richie Munga and Artie Savea waxing lyrical about everyone. Like all, like, like you know, subs. You know, it was mad. It's, the dynamic has shifted so much in four years. And to, to lay a thing, I mean, any head coach would, you'd imagine, lose their mind if a player did that. But just can't help but think what Joe Schmidt's reaction would have been like when he heard that this week. You talk about discipline. The biggest week of Mark Talia's like career and to, to go and do something like that is just absolutely mad and I agree that it seems like Ireland are in um, New Zealand's heads which is just bizarre and this happened for South Africa as well going for the 7-1 split like this has been well, the they shift. picked horses for course exactly. as you said which, like, which didn't didn't work so like this is where Irish rugby finds itself now Um and yeah like just on the on the Spygate thing I mean it's probably worth clarifying and you kind of touching it Rudd that a photographer who does take the pictures for the Ireland team also has his job working for an agency. So he wasn't sent there on behalf of Ireland. He was sent there to do his job for his, like his daily job. So um, it's just bizarre. But I mean, I can't help but think um, of what Andy Farrell has been saying. This is living. This is the big boy <laughs> stuff. Like this is the World Cup. We're like, look at the lines that are coming out like everywhere. The day before, like the unbelievable match. And we're here talking about potential spying and disciplinary issues. I mean, what it's all about, isn't it? And thankfully, it's on the other side, not yeah. Ireland. Yeah, it's chaos. <laughs> like it's 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 not the build up the All Blacks would have wanted for a quarterfinal. You know, that's not what you want to be spending your time talking about. You don't want to be having team meetings. I presume this at some stage this week to discuss what do we do with Mark Talea? He breached protocols. It, like that is a waste of your time in this week. You should be trying to reset, refocus, make your plans for Ireland. I'm not saying it's going to necessarily infect their performance because you've got other stuff going on. You've got Aaron Smith, will be uh, Sam Whitelock, a few others. It's their last game for the All Blacks if they lose, a bit like Johnny Sexton for Ireland. It's a quarterfinal. They talked a lot about um, wanting to kind of just put out a statement performance that represents what the, the 2023 All Blacks are all about. And, and, and that will be... Now, I watched the documentary they put together about last year and the struggles they've been through with the Ireland series, their defeats to South Africa, Argentina, um, but even the draw against England... They feel like all of that was kind of part of the process to build towards this point. But I think if they if if, if you were to pick a build up to this game, you would take Ireland in a heartbeat. I think Ireland are preparing for a performance. New Zealand are searching for a performance, and that is 
it, it's, it's a much better place to be in. Now, you might get a response, you might get an angry response from the All Blacks, but even how vicious is that anymore? You know, that's the questions. They, there's way more questions overall New Zealand going into tomorrow. They may answer them, but right now there's a lot more questions. Okay, and just on that then, so we've got the, we've got the squads of 23 named. Where can Ireland, <clears throat> excuse me, break New Zealand and where can New Zealand break Ireland? I think Ireland are probably a better pack in in the front row as well. I, I I would fully expect this is going to be one of those games where Andy Farrell is going to be trying to get every last ounce out of the likes of Andrew Porter and Tyke Furlong. Look, we know Dave Kilcoyne and Finley Beelham can do a job, but I would fully expect particularly Porter to be going deep into this game. Um, you have the luxury now of having Ronan Kelleher on the bench. He was very good, I thought, uh, last week against Scotland. Like I mentioned earlier, he missed the tour last year. Like And having that one-two punch with Dan Sheehan is, is so important. So I think that that's going to be a, a big difference in terms of the All Blacks. Look, I fully expect them to go, particularly under Joe Smith, given that it's such a specialised area of his game to go hard at the breakdown. I mean, everyone knows at this stage, you slow Ireland's ball down, you stop them getting into their shape and their rhythm. And it's a big, it's a big task on the likes of Sam Kane, Ardy Surveya, who we know is world class. I mean, he almost single handedly changed the series last year. Like he was awesome in the second half of the in the Wellington game in the in the series decider. But like, there's pressure on Sam Kane as as All Blacks captain. So like, he's got to have a big performance with Shannon Frizzell. Look, there, it, this All Blacks team is so different to the one that played last year, and I think. You know, I had to be reminded of that a little bit as well. Um, there's a lot of new personnel. There's a lot of guys in different positions. You've got Richie Mwanga playing 10, Bowden Barrett at 15, Jordy Barrett at 12. I think that makes them a much better team as well. Rico Ioanni, I think, is playing better. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe, when Joe Schmidt came in, he's kind of tried to smooth out his edges because for a while when he switched from winger to to centre, he, I wasn't really convinced that he was at 13, but he looks much sharper now. Will Jordan on the wing, Lester Fainuku, who obviously played in the first two tests and got Sinbin, didn't he, in the Should've test two? Yeah. Um, so look, there, there's massive threats all over the board from, from New Zealand, but I think Ireland have a slight edge up front and I would fully expect New Zealand to come like absolutely steaming at the breakdown, but Ireland know it's coming and I think they'll be prepared for yeah, it. Yeah, Mike can't mention the breakdown today and how much better it is under Joe Schmidt as well. Mm. Yeah, I think you can simplify it into the three Barretts. Um, if Scott Barrett can dominate the collisions in the way that we, we've seen him do from time to time, like he's a big boy, he's a big second row, it's kind of his time. It's He's, you know, Retallick and Whitelock are still there, but he's forced his way into that part. He's broken up that partnership and he is a, a physical presence. So if he can get the better of Ian Henderson and Ty Byrne in that, in that area, that's a big win for New Zealand because that's, you know, where the, where the breakdown will be, will be won in terms of the first arriver. He's a bit strong, rash as well, though, isn't he? Is, he is, mean, yeah. Like he's, uh, he's not finished article by no. any means, but, and I don't, I think Ireland have the edge in pretty much every area, and but he has to play out of his skin. Then we've got um, Jordy because he's the focal point of their attack. He wins those first collisions. Joe loves a big centre in the number 12 jersey. He's he loves excellent. it. And if they play off that, so he'll come up the middle, they play off that. That's where Joe likes to play. Stop Jordy Barrett at source. Dirty that ball. They can't run those moves. That's gone. Bowden Barrett's tactical kicking game and his ability to come into the line and run the show. If he's getting second second touches, if him and Mwanga are singing, then Ireland will, play, will be in a little bit of trouble. But it was interesting listening to Justin Marshall earlier in the week on the, on the left wing. He doesn't think Bowden Barrett should be in this team. He thinks it should be Will Jordan, a fullback. He, he's unhappy with Ian Foster's selection. He thinks that... Um, Foster has compromised to keep Barrett in the team because he's almost afraid to drop him. Again, watching that documentary, Barrett was one of the teams who went to bat for him. The senior leadership group went to the NZRU and said, we want to keep this guy. Sam Kane, should he be in this team? Yeah. I would have already said at seven. They have options at eight. Instead, they're, they're sticking with Sam Kane. Now, he is a good leader. He's a very good defensive player. 
but he's been dominated by Ireland before. We all remember Peter Romani and what he said to him. So, like, there are there are more questions. Ireland, I think, have the edge in the scrum. They will go after the Irish lineout again. Barrett's Barrett's presence, but they haven't gone for Barrett at six. Frizzell's not going to get off the ground as much. And Ireland simplified their lineout really well the last time. Went to the front, um, scrum lineout breakdown. Um, and they've got better attack they've got a better defence but New Zealand have better individuals mm-hmm. if Ireland play for 80 minutes they win the, the line out in the first test was a big issue and the scrum was as well and Sam Whitelock caused Ireland so many problems and then he got injured and he missed the he missed the second test and he came back from the third but James Ryan still managed to to get the better of him and which I thought was a huge kind of turning point in James Ryan's career as well so the fact that they're going to be able to bring Sam Whitelock off the bench and in Ireland obviously have Joe McCarthy coming off the bench you've got two guys at the opposite Who's got ends. the better bench? Ireland. I think Ireland have the better bench, yeah. yeah, I do. But I think like having someone like Whitelock to come off the bench, a guy like Damien McKenzie, if the All Blacks are chasing a game, like like what a player to be able to call upon. So um, I would agree with that. Look, the one thing we, we've mentioned, Joe Schmidt, but like the, the moves that uh, New Zealand pulled out against France were just had Joe Schmidt's fingerprints all over it. I would be stunned if we're not going to see a couple More of that. Joe Schmidt yeah. uh, specials. Um, because Ireland, like as much as you know, Joe Schmidt knows a lot of these Ireland players, Ireland know the way he works as well. So it'll be interesting the sort of mental battle if New Zealand get a right or left-hand side line out and Ireland will probably be thinking, okay, what would Joe have been doing here? I'm sure they've been prepping for that all week. So that's a bit of a, a kind of mental game as well. But look, like, is there a better coach in the world for like coming up with plays but like tweaking them and stuff? And Ireland, to be fair, have been brilliant at that as well. So um, in a sort of perverse way, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what Joe Schmidt has, has up his sleeve as well because I'm sure Ireland have plenty of stuff as well. Yeah, and uh, we might touch on the tens, but first, uh, Caelan Doris was asked about Johnny Sexton and uh, I suppose the sense of doing it for him as well this weekend yeah yeah it is um, even last week building into Scotland obviously there was a chance that could be his last ever game he said that to us as a group um, and like what a what an unbelievable player and leader he's been for Ireland for so many years um, I think all the players will agree that the standards he sets um, raise everyone else's game and he's almost like having another coach on the pitch um, he seems to have like a, I think I've said this to you guys before but like a bird's eye view he seems to see everything regardless of where you were and catches any mistake uh, he can't get away with anything with him around which is obviously a good thing uh, for the most part except when he's shouting at you for those few seconds um, but yeah like he definitely brings us to another level I think um, so valuable for the younger guys for the two of us coming in the way he prepares for a game like he absolutely loves the game and puts everything into it um, the utmost professional and yeah he's been a great role model for the two of us I think Richie Mongo was out in the press conference yesterday what did you pick up from him? He was very impressive actually I, I remember four years ago they put him up with Sebu Reese and I can't remember who else it was three players at once in a New Zealand press conference and he was I don't know those formats are sometimes but I remember thinking it was little, they were all a little bit immature they were kind of it wasn't a very good press conference um, Reese obviously a controversial figure at, at the time and and Four years on, I could see a maturity in, in, in Mwanga, the way he spoke. They're like just what, I, what struck me was firstly how they're framing it. Like they're clearly framing it that it doesn't matter if you're the world's number one team for four years. All that matters is that you're the better team on the day, and that's it's a good message. I think I think Foster's framing that very well. That makes sense. It's a, that's a, that's the kind of I think way it's they're an looking old at Jurgen Klopp thing, isn't it? You don't need to be the best team in the world; just beat the best team on the day. Kind yeah, of that's yeah. and it's it's clever. That's that, that's the way they're going for it, and I, I think that's smart. But what I also struck me was how reverentially he spoke about Ireland and, and I actually asked him directly you know does it not annoy you like you're wearing the All Blacks top 
you're representing this team, the greatest team in the history of rugby over the course of the, the whole history, the whole history of rugby in a particular World Cup, it's the most successful team in the World Cup. And you have to con- continually keep saying they're the best team in the world. Like your your whole brand is that you're the best team in the world. And he gave a pretty honest answer. He said, look, the numbers don't lie that they've, they are the best team in the world right now. It's up to us to beat them on Saturday. And I spoke really well about Johnny Sexton. He, he was very effusive in his praise about Sexton. Um, he was up with Artie Savea, who, who was waxing lyrical about his Uso, Josh, Josh van der Fleer, a good Christian man. Um, he talked about, oh man, he, like it was just, it was amazing. Like I remember being at a press conference in 16 before the Chicago game and they didn't know any of the players. Like they, they're, uh, Jerome Kino, um was asked about the Ireland team and he said, well, I can't believe Sean O'Brien isn't here. And he didn't talk about any players who were, you know. Oh, Driscoll um, and Sean O'Brien from memory because I yeah like, they never t- talked about O'Connell. No, no they um, just said no. It was it was very striking. If you kind of obviously we've seen all the steps along the way, and we're very used to Ireland being talked about in this way now. But if you step back from it a little bit, the way that the narrative has changed around Ireland. And I talked to Steve Hansen for a piece that's running on the website now and in today's paper, and he was the one four years ago who questioned whether Ireland's experience was worth anything to them because it was an experience of losing. And I asked him about that. And he said, "Look, it's changed. Four years on, they're a better team." They've gone through an awful lot. They still, he thinks that the quarterfinal thing will still be a factor if our, if New Zealand get in front and, New Ze- and Ireland are forced to chase and get themselves in a the hole. But he, look, he thinks Farrell's a brilliant coach. He thinks Ireland are a brilliant team. He said, don't. He said, be wary of underestimating New Zealand. That's a dangerous thing to do. But listening to you know all of the punditry that we've heard this week, talking to Conrad Smith for a piece I did earlier in the week, they're they are incredibly enthralled to the Irish team. They think Ireland are. A, really superb side and they don't like Conrad Smith said if they play 10 times Ireland would win 7 of them it's just up to New Zealand to produce a performance and they're kind of chasing that performance yeah yeah. yeah like I touched on it earlier I mean these are like amazing times for Irish rugby in general you've got the world champions like worried about trying to design a 7-1 bench split I mean they've gone back to 5-3 almost 4-4 Cogga Smith yeah. might be a back so like you know there you go and like to be fair they made no bones about that the 7-1 was designed with Ireland in mind you've had Ian Foster coming out was it last week saying about the ball and play time and stuff like that so all these little things and I'd say we've touched on this loads of times that Andy Farrell is probably just sitting there loving it because he doesn't get this involved. Is living. This yeah. is living. This is big boy stuff. I'll say it again, uh, his words. Um, but it, like he, he just doesn't get involved in that. And I think that is reflective, reflected in the players, like how calm they all are as well. But like, like you said, like Hanson was saying, you know, don't underestimate the All Blacks. I genuinely would be shocked if anyone is underestimating no. the All Blacks, especially not the three of us here in this podcast. Because like... Ireland could go out of the World Cup tomorrow um, easy. Of course they could. The All Blacks could turn up tomorrow and be absolutely unbelievable. But as long as Ireland... It's not... Too. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's not a no-show. We bought into everything they were saying four years ago, Sinead, like you said, we were all there in Tokyo. The body of evidence was nowhere near what it is now, but they still projected a, a confidence. Whereas now, there's so much evidence to support what they've done. And... Yeah, like if like I'm optimistic that if they turn up and if they are anywhere near their best, then it will be good enough. But there's so many factors that we've spoken about. I mean, if there's an, an early red card, if there's Sexton. they talked you about know. extra time as well and penalties. I've just done a piece for the website yeah. explaining what happens. So it's extra yes. time, ten minutes aside. Then if that's still level, it goes to sudden death. First points wins, um, and then it's penalties. So five chosen kickers in three different positions on the pitch. 
bring back flashbacks to, to Munster, Munster to lose yeah. a couple of years ago Th- with different rules five players so like mm. that bringing three of whom are Andrew Porter yeah, what did Mike say Mike Andrew Porter but, but it was Chuck interesting uh, when it was Dan Sheehan who actually raised it first wasn't he in the press conference yeah. I think it was Mile Harrison they've addressed that then, they've yes, covered so every base and and that's, yeah. that's great to hear because yeah. that, that's the kind of thing that could be you know you would just you're so focused on the, the 80 minutes that you're, 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 you have to be fully aware of that picture it, it's no surprise though I mean when you see Jameson Gibson Park and Gary Ringrose playing on the wings last weekend Gibson sure, Park thrown into lineups it's Stuart McCloskey Training. coming out afterwards saying that oh I was running on the wing in training last week as well it's absolutely no surprise that Ireland will have been prepared for this and it was interesting that Mike Cat you know mentioned Ty Byrne as one of the kickers I'd back Ty Byrne with that oh, yeah. I'm trying to think off my head so Conor Murray can kick Gary Ringrose can kick Jimmy O'Brien can kick I mean um, Crowley, Sex, Crowley yeah. Sexton on. one and one beyond um, so Ringrose, Ringrose used to kick um, in school, he, didn't he? Did he kick? He kicked all the way to. He's kicked professionally. He's yeah. kicked points for Leinster, so he's a good kicker. He's yeah. very yeah. Murray. Murray yeah. You'd always see Conor Murray. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Hugo Keenan has a has a kick in his locker. You know, he's a very good, good footballer. footballer yeah. Yeah. Um, so they have options. Um, I really hope we're not in a Martin Williams yeah, part of yes, uh, situation. Like that. You, you've had heartbreaking will be. I mean, for us as well, because I'm filing the deadline for Sunday in though, which would be we be well beyond our bedtime by then. So um, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. The other factor we should talk about though is the crowd. I mean, it's going to be a home game for Ireland. So the three test series wonder, last though, year. I wonder. No. How do you mean? I just wonder how how big the the, the crowd's going to be big, right? But like I've heard of lots of people who have bought who who got tickets for both quarterfinals. So that like you'd imagine the French fans would have got tickets for both quarterfinals as well. Like, are they going to be willing to do swaps with Irish mm. fans, or are the French fans going to say, "Oh, I'm coming to the double yeah, header"? Yeah, the French have a massive affiliation with the All Blacks. Absolutely. So they may, like, they and may there's a mystique the in that. Yeah. Um, I think the official line was I was asking the RFU earlier, thirty thousand. Irish fans are, are sorry postal addresses got tickets and they probably most likely bought That's multiple, yeah. multiple tickets yeah so you would hope you would hope that maybe like and I'm including the Irish fans who have tickets for Sunday's game could maybe do a bit of a swap to ensure that like as many of the supporters of the team anyway they can do could, it yeah, yeah. and if it, look look if there's any bunch of supporters that will find a way it is the Irish fans but I, I would be surprised if it's going to be like the 60,000 that was no, here yeah, for the Scotland game. for South Africa was yeah. huge. Oh, it was and incredible. Would be, would be really and that they've avoided France means that there's much More. bigger chance. I would imagine a lot of the Kiwi fans are probably only arriving this week in the expectation that they're going to be here for the next That's three the weeks. Yeah, that they just arrived in yeah. yeah so, so what about those other uh, quarterfinals? Obviously, apps, I cannot wait for Sunday night as well. Mm. Uh, it's been hard to think about it. Like I was it actually, been, I was yeah. in the press room or I went to Roland Garris which is where the media, main media centre was on uh, or is on and, and they, they host press conferences there France and in South Africa nice setup you were saying it's lovely I mean I, I want to go back and cover the tennis it's, uh, the, <laughs> I thought the, you were going to say you want to go, go back and cover Ireland there next week well I do yeah that absolutely too. I hope so but um, <laughs> South Africa had a press conference and I was just like God I haven't really given this we've been so all consuming this week with yes. Ireland and New Zealand such a big game I've given it, given very little thought to what's going on on Sunday, and I'm looking forward. I am accredited and looking forward to going. And I remember four years ago oh we were trying gosh. to file our, our obituaries um, right up until kickoff of Japan. I was still filing. I was still filing after kickoff. But this is going to be a very different game, and like you're going to look at it's basically two different sports. You know, you're going to look at Ireland, New Zealand, both running teams. I mean, loads of kicking. There's going to be points taken from everywhere. South Africa have gone with Libok, which is a big surprise. I think France is going to win it. Yeah, I, I've yeah, I, th- I think the the home advantage is absolutely huge. I, like we haven't even mentioned the fact that Dupont is back. Um, he, I think he was doing the press conference this morning as well. Like, what a remarkable recovery! I think that we were is. in a scrum crap. Will he tomorrow? I think that's I mean, the, that's not going to do his cheek much good. No, no I, like that's not. just all optics, really, it, yeah. isn't it? I mean, what was it? Twenty days ago, he had a metal plate uh, inserted into his face, but like as soon as he was given the green light by the medics, I don't think there was a chance that he was going to miss it. He's made of tough stuff. So yeah, I would think France slightly, but similarly, the way I feel about 
about the All Blacks, like this South Africa could turn up and do do like do a job like they did to the All Blacks, you know, before the World Cup. They're well capable. Not they, France. No. There's they, one pack they can't bully. No, they can't, but I still think they've got the quality to, like to match them and, and to possibly but beat I think, them. I, so. I look at it the other way. I think France can deny the, uh, South Africa that supremacy in the pack. And then you look at what South Africa have, if, if they're operating not off from football, I know Libok is there, but can they can they damage France in the way that, that France can damage South Africa? France have better backline. France have more more X factor like like Arenza and um, Colby, and obviously uh, Leroux on the bench, isn't he? It's Philemsa starting and Leroux on the bench. Leroux and Pollard coming starting, on, yeah. which is a really good combination as well. South Africa quality, one of the top three teams in the world, and and you know obviously the world champions. But I think France have their number, especially you got to like Sunday. Having been here for the first night of the World Cup, the the, the if you think the Irish crowd are a factor, the French mm. crowd here, all on on top of the referee, it's going to be a it's major Ben O'Keefe, I, I think, isn't so, it? Yeah. Ben O'Keefe is the ref. And, he, and South Africa weren't happy with him after yeah. the Ireland France or the Ireland South Africa game. That is a factor. It's an un, if Ireland played France in the final or or down the line, it is going to be a factor. France have an incredible backing, and it does matter. You were here for the Six Nations game when mm. they get on. The atmosphere here is amazing when France are playing, and it's like I think the, obviously South Africa will have more fans. There is a more democratic ticketing process, but it was, it was, it, it was hard, it's hard to explain to people who aren't there how symbiotic the French team performance is with the crowd. Yeah. What about the two other quarterfinals then? Uh, Wales against Argentina on Saturday and then England against Fiji on Sunday. And they're in Marseille, aren't they? Yeah. Both in Marseille. Marseille yeah. Both yeah. before the, the early yes. games. We definitely got the the kind of the better half of the draw here in terms of the the matches and being lucky enough to be able to go to the one on Sunday as well. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's four Northern That's Hemisphere yeah. no, four Northern Hemisphere teams. I mean, like... Argentina again, like they've been, they they just really haven't been that impressive. But they are capable of delivering a big performance. We haven't seen a lot of evidence to, to suggest that it would come. Wales have kind of been like going along quietly under the radar. I was at their game against Fiji, and um, the day after Ireland played God, Romania and Bordeaux, yeah, yeah, it does. They probably didn't get enough credit for how well they played because we've seen Fiji now have obviously gone to the quarter final, but they're limping into it, which is really disappointing. Really, I mean. They're capable of, you know, beating England. They showed it in Twickenham. But I mean, I think England have just about got their stuff together at the right time. But playing, Mar- but playing Marcus Smith at full back is such a, like, it's such a massive call. But it's also so surprising from Steve Borthwick's point of view. I don't think many people would have seen Rose this coming. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, clearly, like, there's an element of, there, are they going to try and fight fire with fire a little bit? Because we know the way Fiji will look to play. But I'd imagine England will still try and put the squeeze on them up front. And you'd wonder where... Fiji's kind of heads are at after losing to Portugal, which was an unbelievable result for Portugal. I don't know if you've seen well, the, the like I have the, video like the videos. In, it's, yeah. it's amazing, it's like yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. It's like pressure is a funny thing, and, mm. and like from what I'm hearing that through the grapevine, is the relations between the English media and the team are not good. The management, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes there. It doesn't sound like a particularly happy place. The fans aren't traveling. You know, the the tickets were returned from the English fans. Fiji will be the local. Like if there's a lot of French in the stadium, Fiji will have the the, the, the locals behind them. And while like they are limping in, they've been better against the tier one teams. Um, they have phenomenal players, and they've no pressure. They've already won the World Cup. They've got they've, they have achieved their goal. They got out of a really hard pool um, by running. Yeah, you know, despite losing to Portugal, which is a mad thing to say. Lost twice, and, and they've no pressure on their shoulders. Whereas England are under incredible pressure going into this game. They're scratching around looking for form. You know, obviously they, they beat Argentina in a kind of heroic way with that George Ford 14-man thing. Who's now his reward is he's uh, on he's the bench. Dro- yeah, he's dropped. You know, yeah, I'd like the selection doesn't make sense. I think England will 
will prevail, but I don't think it's going to be straightforward. And I think Fiji will throw punches. And when Samoa threw punches last week, who were not as good as Fiji, a kind of disinterested-looking England team struggled through, you know? So... I don't think I actually think that's arguably the the, the most tricky of all the four uh, Northern Hemisphere teams getting out of that one because England are in such poor form. I, I do think Wales will have too much for Argentina though. So what are we thinking for tomorrow's game? Yeah, uh, well, I think we should quickly mention that Wayne Barnes is the ref. Yes. As I did mention, Ben O'Keefe is the ref. I'm pretty sure for France at Africa, and we've touched on the fact that there could be a red card early on. Um, like Barnes refereed Ireland. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wrote in Bayonne, didn't he? And, yeah. and, and against Tonga in yeah. Nantes. And the third test last. And last the third year. test. Yeah, so look, Ireland are well used to having him in like big international games, but also obviously in the Champions Cup and that. But I think the All Blacks would be pretty content as well. So look, hopefully we're not sitting here on Saturday night talking about him, but I, I just thought it was worth mentioning that given Absolutely. that. Yeah. Um, factor, it definitely yeah. is a definitely factor. Is, but yeah. he's experienced and that's yeah. the good thing, I think. You know, I don't, I don't need to be un- unhappy with no, getting I him. So. Although I did watch that All Blacks documentary and uh, after the game against Wales in the... November series, it was Barron's 100th cap, so they brought him in uh, to the dressing room, gave a lovely speech about him and handed him over a couple of bottles of New Zealand red and he absolutely, oh, he, he nearly fainted, this. he was delighted with himself. So hopefully, I mean, I'm not, I'm not accusing them of any, any, bias, any bias or anything like that, but you never know, these things do get into your head. Um, but look, you know, he's the most experienced referee here. I don't know if he's as good as he used to be personally, but um, it depends on how he refs the breakdown. That breakdown thing is going to yeah. be so key. And um, if New Zealand, and we saw in the first test, when Sexton went off, if, if Ireland dropped the ball and New Zealand go the distance, they've got to be able to adapt, do their breathing, get back on side. New Zealand would throw punches here. I just think Ireland can stay standing. They're the heavyweights. They can go for 80 minutes the way France did. New Zealand hit France for six twice. I watched the first couple of minutes the other day. They were incredible out of the blocks, but they can't. They couldn't sustain it. And they, they, they've they had three big wins against three questionable op- opponents, whereas Ireland are playing week on week on week. I'm worried maybe that that might lead to fatigue in the second half and a high ball and play game, but it's a battle-hardened thing as well. The way Munster were in the URC, we'll see. Even Hansen said to me that Foster has decided to go fresh, go for freshness, that he's rotated heavily to have them fresh at this point. The question is whether that freshness has left them short and whether Ireland, who have played two massive games and the players have all played a lot of games, can sustain it. Yeah. Maybe that catches up with them down the line. We, we, maybe, but there's no tomorrow. Like This is a quarterfinal. You've got to play as if it's, this is a final, the next one's a final, the next one's a final for whoever wins. You can't be resting players or kind of thinking about that sort of stuff coming into it. There's so many fascinating battles, but I, I personally think Ireland have the edge in nearly every area and are the better team. It's going to take a sensational New Zealand performance to beat them if they perform. And that's what we have to see is an Irish performance. Yeah, obviously, I think, uh, K- was it Caelan Doris was asked about the hacker today and he said we might uh, flirt with something. Are we expecting something Willie different? Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I was thinking Owen Farrell and the England team uh, four years ago against New Zealand when they went in that... Uh, I'd, I'd be, very, I'd be yeah. very surprised if they did something... Like, no, they'll do the line and they'll take a step forward. Because yeah. it would be, like, we've just spoken so much about how Andy Farrell doesn't really get involved in things. I think if Ireland did something mad or unusual for the Don't Hackett, want to do anything to just, antagonise. Just keep it, keep yeah. it normal, yeah. Yeah. They, no. they don't need to do anything. No, you know. Just do their stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what a 24 hours we've got coming up. We will be back with another podcast after the game on Saturday night. So do keep an eye out for that. But thanks for listening and watching. The Left Wing is coming to the Three Olympia Theatre on Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023, with Luke Fitzgerald and Will Slattery joined by Bernard Jackman and Stephen Ferris looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup semi-finals, with Ireland potentially playing for a World Cup final place. Tickets priced from 29.90, including booking fee, and are on sale now. Go to Ticketmaster.ie for more.
Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.